Good morning, loved ones. I'm so happy that we have this time together, and I pray that this time will be a blessing to you and that you will feel the Lord's Spirit move within you. Won't you join me in a word of prayer, and then we'll jump right into our lesson from Matthew for today. Heavenly Father, Lord, we do love you and we do thank you for this time. And Father, now we pray that you will just increase our understanding, increase our belief so that we might follow you more faithfully and more obediently. Lord, we love you and we thank you for Christ. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. And so today, loved ones, we are going to be studying and unpacking what is without any doubt one of, if not the most misapplied and misunderstood and possibly abused passages in all of the scriptures. And that is Jesus's teaching on judging here at the beginning of Matthew chapter 7. This is a verse, a passage that is cited by everyone from pragmatic worldly agenda pushers to remorseless sinners when anyone attempts to confront them over the issue of sin. And I'm sure that at some point or another, all of us have been told by someone, or maybe we've been the one saying that you can't judge me. And when doing so, when saying that, usually what the person is trying to do is basically give anyone the finger who is trying to confront them over the issue of sin and tell that person that the way that they are living is at odds with what God demands. And so today, loved ones, what we must do is go back to the text itself. We must go back to this passage and we must examine what Jesus says. We can't look at what the world wants us to think and we can't think of uh, what we want to interpret this as meaning. We have to see what Jesus is saying. And what we might discover here might be at odds with what we have previously thought. This might upset the understanding that we held prior to this. Because we're going to see in these verses that Jesus tells us three things when it comes to judging others. We're going to see that he teaches us to judge judiciously, say that three times fast, he tells us to judge judiciously. He tells us to judge ourselves first. And he also tells us that we must be able to judge when to walk away. So join me as we look at Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 6. And it says this, Do not judge so that you will not be judged. For by the standard you judge, you will be judged. And the measure you use will be the measure you receive. Why do you see the speck in your brother's eye, but fail to see the beam of wood in your own? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, while there is a beam in your own? You hypocrite! First remove the beam from your own eye, and then you can see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give what is holy to dogs, or throw your pearls before pigs. Otherwise, they will trample them under their feet, and then turn around and tear you to pieces. And so we've already said, loved ones, that Matthew chapter 7 verse 1 is possibly the most abused and misunderstood verse in all the scriptures. And such abuse is expected when the verse is ripped out of its context and when it is applied by people who have no care or understanding of what this passage is trying to say. This verse has been used both by the world and also, very sadly, by the church to say that no one is qualified to call out sin in the lives of other people. The world uses this verse 
as liberty to flaunt their living in the face of God, and very weak and very bad church theology uses this as an out to avoid having to confront sin, both within the church itself and then in the world as a whole. And so what is going on here? What is Jesus saying? And how do we begin to even understand this verse? Well, to begin this journey, let's first understand that Jesus isn't telling us anything new here. In fact, he is just saying differently something that he has already told us before. If you were to look back at Matthew chapter 5, verse 7, there you would see that Jesus says, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And we remember what Jesus was telling us there. He said that the amount of mercy that we show to others in this world will be shown to us at the final judgment. And we remember that it is God who shows us this reciprocal mercy. And so the more merciful we are to others, the more merciful God is to us at the final judgment. But here in Matthew 7, 1, Jesus is just reframing what he has already told us. He's saying it a different way. And the same way that our mercy towards other impacts the mercy that God shows us, the amount of judgment that we place on others impacts the judgment that God puts upon us. And by the way this is written in the Greek, it's implied that God is the one who will be judging us. And Jesus spells this out. He makes this even more clear in verse number two, where he says, for by the standard you judge, you will be judged. The measure you use will be the measure you receive. And so we see that the way that we relate to others impacts how God relates to us. And this, uh, uh, concept. This is referred to as God's poetic justice, and we see this throughout the Bible. This is not anything new. In Genesis, we saw where Joseph's brothers hated him and then sold him into slavery, and yet they had to come crawling to Joseph to be saved from starvation. Samson, a man who continually lusted after every woman he saw with his eyes, ends up having his eyes gouged out. David, a man of war his whole life, he ends up fighting a war against his own family. Absalom, one of David's sons, he put great glory in his hair, and his hair is end up uh, what ends up getting him killed. And lastly, we know of Solomon as a great example. He was the wisest man to ever live, and yet he squandered his kingdom away like a fool. And so we see throughout the scriptures these examples and many more of how God's dealing with us is directed and impacted by how we deal with the world around us. But that doesn't clear up any of this language of judging. So what is Jesus saying there? Well, the Greek word there for judge is krino, krino. And its simplest usages, its simplest definitions are to make up your mind about or to find fault. And so we can begin to unwrap this text and understand it as saying, do not make up your minds about other people. Do not find fault with other people, lest God make up his mind about you, or God find fault with you. And even better yet, what this verse literally says in the Greek is this, stop finding fault with others, lest God find fault with you. But we need to understand something here. We need to understand what Jesus is talking about and what he's not 
talking about. Jesus is not simply talking about confronting people about sin because we know of several passages in the New Testament where we are directed to confront sin. But what Jesus is talking about here is this, finding fault in others, calling out the sins of others without first confronting and condemning our own sins. We know this because of what Jesus says in verse 3, where he says, Why do you see the speck in your brother's eye, and yet you ignore the rafter, the beam, in your own eye? And this helps us get a better idea, a clearer idea, of what Jesus' words here mean. He's telling us to stop judging other people hypocritically. He's not saying that you can't judge them at all. He's saying that you can't be a hypocrite. We have to stop calling out the minor sins in the lives of other people without first calling out the major offenses in our own lives. And we're going to talk more about that in just a moment. But before we move on, this is what we can infer from this verse. Yes, we can judge. We can confront others over the issue of sin. But we must confront them judiciously and graciously. We must judge them wisely and lovingly, and we must judge ourselves first. And after that, then we can judge compassionately and help that brother or sister to see the error in their own ways. But we must go about it in a loving and kind manner, because that is how we want God to deal with us. We don't want to be the victims of God's poetic justice. Instead, we should want to be the beneficiaries of his poetic justice. And so, loved ones, we have to ask ourselves a very tough question. How harshly are we judging others? How nitpicky are we? When we are listing out the offenses and the sins of other people, all the while we are ignoring our own very heinous sins. Are we presuming and making up our minds about other people? Are we constantly throwing other people under the bus, making them appear to be these sinful monsters, all the while we're ignoring our own flaws and our own sins? And if we are guilty of this, then we need to understand that the same scrutiny we apply to other people will be the same scrutiny applied to us by God. So how harshly are we judging? And how harshly will we be judged? So let's move on then to verses 3 through 5. And we've already begun to see that Jesus is condemning this issue of hypocritical judgment, this hypocritical condemnation of sin. And he's not saying that we cannot call out sin, but he is saying we must confront our own sins first. And so in essence, what Jesus is saying is that we must judge ourselves first. And Jesus says two things that help us understand that this is what he means. First, as I just said a moment ago, in verse 1 there in the Greek, it says, Stop judging others, lest ye be judged by God. And if you tell someone that you want them to stop doing something, that usually implies that they are doing that thing right now that you want them to stop. And so here we can infer that the people that Jesus is talking to, his audience, they were judging hypocritically. And we know this, again, because of the second thing Jesus tells us that gives us this clue. Is, and that's what we find in verses 3 through 5, where he says, Why do you see the speck 
of dust in your brother's eye and ignore the rafter in your own eye. And there Jesus is saying this, how can you go around nitpicking everyone over their small, minute sins and ignore the huge sin in your own life? It's the same as being uh, obsessed with the speck in your brother's eye while you're ignoring this huge rafter that's protruding from your own eye. And so Jesus knows that his audience is guilty of this hypocritical condemnation. He knows that his audience is judgmental. But we've got to pause for a second. And we need to remember something here. Who is Jesus talking to? Who is his audience here in the Sermon on the Mount? Is it the Pharisees? Is it the scribes? Is it the experts in the law? No. Here Jesus is talking to who? He's talking to his disciples, to his followers. And so you mean to tell me that church people can be guilty of this hypocritical judgment? Do you mean to tell me that church people can be nitpicky and condemn others without even thinking about it? Well, yeah, yeah, they can be. And guess what? It's Jesus himself who tells us this. And so Jesus is calling out his disciples here. He asks them why they see the speck in their brother's eye and ignore the beam in their own eye. And before we unpack what that means, I just want us to notice something about this example Jesus uses. Look at the imagery that he uses. A speck or a splinter versus a beam in a person's eye. Why do you think he uses that language? Why do you think he uses that imagery? Well, I think it's because of we see here Jesus' humanity coming through. Think of his upbringing. What was Jesus' father, Joseph? What was Joseph's profession? He was a carpenter, or more literally, he was a builder. And so Jesus was a builder as well. And so here he is using an illustration, an example from his own life. He is using something that he can relate to to make this idea tangible. He's using this language of wood and splinters and dust and beams because this are, these are things that he has dealt with. And from this example, this is what Jesus wants us to understand. The person with the beam in their eye is in no place to help the person with the speck in their eye. Both the beam and the speck represent sin. And while Jesus says nothing about what kinds of sins these things are, from this illustration, we do see very clearly that not all sins are created equally. Now, popular religion and popular soft theology today wants us to believe that all uh, that, excuse me, all sins are created equally. All sins are of equal weight. And that's not entirely true. Yes, any and every sin is guilty of God's wrath and his condemnation, but not all sins carry the same weight. Some sins are heftier than others. And Jesus calls out this hypocritical, judgmental disciples who go around trying to help others with their small sins while they're ignoring the huge sins in your lives. And Jesus says, first, before you can even help anyone else out, you have to judge yourself. You have to examine and scrutinize your own life and get rid of the sin that you are holding on to before you can go and help a brother or a sister remove the sin in their lives. First, you have to see the hypocrisy in your own life before you can go and help someone with sin in their life. You better be willing, Jesus says, 
to subject yourself to the same judgment that you are about to subject other people to. And then once you've addressed your own sin, loved ones, then you can lovingly, mercifully, graciously, compassionately help a brother or sister understand and confront the sin in their lives. And you do so in a compassionate way, again, because you want God to deal compassionately with you. And so, loved ones, again, we have to ask ourselves, what is it that we're ignoring in our lives today? What are the beams, what are the rafters in our eyes today that we're ignoring all the while we're looking around and looking at each and every speck in the eyes of a brother or sister? Are we confronting our own sins today, brothers and sisters, or are we just going around being judgmental, calling out everyone else for their sins, while never even thinking to judge ourselves first, to scrutinize ourselves first over the sin in our lives. And remember, I can't say this enough, the scrutiny, the judgment, the uh, measure of judgment that we apply to others, that's going to be the way God deals with us. So are you dealing with other people in a way that is graceful, that is merciful, that is humble, that is understanding? Or are you just condescending and being cold and callous? Remember, God is going to deal with you in the same way. Lastly, we see in verse 6 some words here that seem hard to make heads or tails of, and it's hard to see how it really uh, uh, goes along with what Jesus has already told us. There in verse 6, Jesus says, do not give what is holy to dogs or throw your pearls before pigs. Otherwise, it will trample them under their feet and turn around and tear you to pieces. So what in the world does this mean? Well, Jesus is here saying uh, basically the same thing that Kenny Rogers once said. You have to know when to walk away and know when to run. We have to be able to judge when to walk away from certain situations. But this raises the question, what are these situations that Jesus is talking about? And what does he mean about giving what is holy to dogs and giving pearls to swine? Well, in both situations, both of the dogs and the pearls, we see that someone is taking something of great value, of great import, of great worth, and is giving it to someone or something that is incapable of valuing or respecting that thing. And we see examples of this in these scriptures. The law does forbid giving um, meat that had been sacrificed to God. It forbids giving that meat to dogs. And likewise, even though pigs will eat anything, you're not going to go and throw precious pearls into the slop bucket. And so we understand that Jesus is telling us not to give things that are valuable to people or things that cannot appreciate the value of those things. But what does Jesus mean? What is Jesus talking about? Well, here, the things that are holy, the pearls, the thing that is precious, that's the gospel. That is the kingdom. And Jesus is saying here, don't give these things. Don't give the gospel. Don't give the kingdom to people who are going to demean it and who are going to mock it. To do so is the same as giving pearls to swine and giving things that are holy to dogs. Now, here's the kicker. 
Yes, Jesus wants us to share the gospel with everyone. We are going to see at the very end of Matthew that the last thing Jesus says to us is to do just that, to go to all the corners of the world and share the kingdom, to make disciples and baptize them and teach them and teach them how to follow Christ. But Jesus also wants us to recognize when we might have to walk away, when we need to move on. And so what we need to understand is this. We cannot go into any situation assuming or presuming or judging how a person is going to respond to the gospel. We cannot make up our minds about how a person will respond before we present the gospel to them. But if their response is to mock or belittle, or make fun of Jesus and his life and death and his resurrection, if they are going to belittle the gospel, then Jesus wants us to know in that situation, it's time to walk away and move on to the next target. We have to shake off the dust from our feet and keep moving on. Because if we don't do that, if we don't move on, if we keep sowing in a place where it's been made very clear that we're not wanted, then just like a wild dog or a wild pig, those people, those remorseless sinners, will turn around and they will tear us up. But not only that, if we keep casting pearls to pigs, if we keep giving what is holy to dogs, then what does that say about how we value and respect the gospel? Because if we keep sowing pearls to pigs, then we have just as little value for the gospel as the pig who is receiving it. And so Christ tells us to have good judgment, to be able to judge the situation and to know when you have to just walk away. And so the question for us, loved ones, is this. Who are you sowing your pearls to today? Who are you giving what is holy to today? Have you been trying to share the gospel with someone and they just keep ripping you to shreds over it? Do you know when to just walk away and move on? And so, loved ones, we see from all of this, and this is a hard text, this is a difficult text, and we see that Jesus' teaching on judgment might not be quite what we thought it was before. It's really much deeper and much more involved than we may have imagined before this. But I want us to ask ourselves a question. So what? Why is this important? Why does any of this matter at all? Why does it matter that Jesus is giving us all of this instruction on judgment? Why does it matter that he tells us how to judge and how not to judge and that we must judge ourselves first and that we have to remember that how we judge is how God is going to judge us? Why does any of this matter? Well, it matters because of this. It matters because the very one who is worthy, the very one who is free and clear and clean of any sin, the one who will one day judge the living and the dead, the very one who is giving us this lesson, Jesus, he came here and he subjected himself to judgment. He subjected himself to the sinful, self-centered, self-righteous, hypocritical judgment of sinful men. He subjected himself to the judgment that resulted in him being sentenced to death on the cross. And while Jesus was hanging on the cross there in agony, he subjected himself to the full wrath, the full force of God's judgment 
There on the cross, Christ bore every sin ever committed and ever to be committed. And he paid the price that God demanded for each and every one of them. There on the cross, Jesus displayed for us what it looks like when, when God deals with us as he should, when he deals with us as we deserve. Christ showed us what it looks like when God deals with us in the way that we deal with each other. And Jesus did that. He endured that. He subjected himself to that so that we would not have to endure it. He did this in our place. He took our judgment in our place. He was our substitution. He was our atonement. And that is the gospel. And this gospel is beautiful. It is special. It is precious more so than anything else in this world. And because of that, we have to cherish it. We have to revere it. We have to protect it from those who want to sully it and demean it and who want to desecrate it and defame it. And if we say that we believe the gospel, if we say that we are followers of Christ, then we had better live like it. We had better live as Jesus instructed us to live because he is the one who put his life on the line to give us this gospel. And if we don't follow his instructions and live as he tells us to live, if we don't obey what he has told us, then we are just as guilty of demeaning and desecrating his life and death as the most vile sinner who mocks it. And so, loved ones, this is what you and I must do today. We must take our eyes off of each other. We must stop looking at the specks in each other's eyes. We must focus our eyes on Christ. And we must begin examining the beams in our own eyes. And looking at and examining the sins that we're hiding in our hearts. And we must confess those sins to Christ. And we must repent of those sins. And we must ask Christ for his forgiveness from those sins. And then we can help a brother or sister overcome their sins. But we must do this, loved ones. We must do this because until we do so, until we confess and repent of our sins, until we let Christ invade every area of our hearts and lives, then we're all just self-righteous hypocrites that go around bragging about how much better we are than everyone else. And you can't be a true disciple if you are simply pretending to be the part. And so, loved ones, I ask today that you take off the mask of self-righteousness and that you be transformed and be made truly righteous by Christ. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you and we thank you so much for this teaching. And Father, I pray that you help us to judge ourselves first, to help us confront the sins that we have in our own lives. And then and only then, Father, give us a spirit of love and compassion and mercy to help brothers and sisters deal with the sins in their lives. Lord, help us to be a people who are different. Help us to be a people who follow you completely. Help us to be a people who value and respect and cherish the gospel. And help us to share it with those who are hungry and looking for hope. Help us to give them the hope of Christ. Father, we love you and we thank you for Christ. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.